Are we on? There we are. Okay, y'all, I'm not Pastor Nathan. He just wish he had a shirt like this. All right. Good morning, Thrive. How are y'all this morning? <clears throat> okay, we're just going to read a little scripture and then pray for y'all this morning, if you don't mind. Okay, Psalms 100. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that, the, that he, the Lord, is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So this morning we just want to acknowledge that the Lord is God. I said we're going to acknowledge that the Lord is God. How many of you have you been faithful to? How many of you has he been a friend to? And have you acknowledged that he, the Lord, is God? Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful, God, Lord, that you have been faithful. Lord, that you have been the friend. Lord, you're holy. You are holy. You are holy. Lord, you're high and lifted up. Praise you and we worship you this morning. Lord, you're our Savior. Lord, you're our Redeemer. Lord, you're our healer and our deliverer. Lord, you're our provider, our shelter. God, you're our strength. You're the one that we can run to in a time of trouble, in a time of need. Because you are faithful. Lord, you're the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end, the first and the last. There is none other like you. And we praise you this morning. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Open our ears this morning, God, Lord, that we could hear what you're speaking to us. Open our minds that we can have understanding and our hearts that we can apply it to our life. Lord, that we will be changed from glory unto glory. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Yes, thank you, Joey. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Upside down. Come on. How's everybody doing today? You good? How's the weather out there? It was cold when I came in. Good. Excellent. Beach weather, huh? All right. Well, it's, uh, it's good to be here. I know it's good to see you here. This is what it looks like the, day, the weekend after Easter every year. And so, <laughs> everybody, oh, I went to church this year already. I'm good. <laughs> Dang. And so, <laughs> Anyway, tonight, <laughs> I want to encourage you guys, we have a, a movie night, and it's not just a movie night, it's a documentary about uh, Free Burma Rangers and what they are doing. They are a missions organization that is bringing an awareness to the struggles and issues of what the government of Burma is doing really to the peasant people and kind of imploding and they're attacking, and so... 
Uh, there's a story behind that because we have a couple that are actually moving there in September to go and be a part of that mission, that ministry to help bring awareness to the world. And so, uh, you know, our greatest part is that we pray and that God will bring intervention in, in, from some form to touch the heart of the government leaders to bring change in that, that country. But uh, Lifeway, the Christian bookstore, you know it as, but it's also, um, it has its own uh, movie writing company, et cetera. They, took a, they made a document, documentary uh, about this missions organization that has been in Burma for uh, some 20 years. And so I want to encourage you to come if you have the time, if availability, if your heart is, is, is towards missions and what's going on in other nations. And so tonight at 6 p.m., I mean, snacks, drinks, everything will be right here. So we'd love to see you. Uh, also, uh, we are move, uh, sorry. We have a, a youth conference coming up, July 11th through the 16th. I really encourage any of you, if you have youth, youth students, 13 to 20, get them plugged into this. Register early. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Allie and I are going to take uh, these students, and there's a couple of other chaperones going already. But we're excited about taking them to Colorado Springs. I've been to this conference several times. It is powerful how these students come out of this, this one week, spending time together, uh, engaging the Lord, and then hearing from Him and how He changes their hearts. It's, it's powerful. So uh, I really want to encourage you to get signed up. It's 450 per student. That doesn't incur all the costs. The church is taking care of some of the costs, but the, uh, as well as the 450 Every student eats differently, so uh, you'll have to send money for their food, for their eating, because Johnny will eat three double burgers while Susie eats a taco, and so it's not fair for Susie to pay for the, the triple burgers, you know, so uh, that's, that's just, just no, just no, be warned. But we're, <laughs> we're moving into our series, we're moving into our series, uh, Blessed to be a Blessing. We are blessed. Scripture says that we are already blessed to be a blessing. And so I want to break that down over the next several weeks, unpack that for you so you can think from a different space, even where you are, you can leave here changed with a new understanding so that you're well equipped for what all God wants to do in you and through you. And so you are blessed. I want to break that down. I want you to know what that means. I want you to know why he blesses you. I want you to know how he blesses you. I want you to know what your part is and what his part is. But being blessed comes in many forms. We're going to talk about being blessed beyond measure because I believe God has more than what you're willing to settle for. And so many of us find a comfort zone and I'm willing to settle here, but God has all the more. He wants to bless you beyond measure. I've seen it happen in my own life. I've seen it happen in my family's life. I've seen it happen in many people's life in this church. I've seen it happen from people that had nothing to people that already had something. I've seen these principles applied and then magnified to where people are blessed beyond the measure they previously settled for. So it does come in many forms, but how you steward what God has given you reveals whether or not you are ready for the blessings that he has for you, the immeasurable blessings. So you get to decide, you and I get to decide if we are ready, positioned, willing to receive the immeasurable blessings that God has for our lives. Now, there's no doubt that, uh, that everyone wants to be blessed. There's no doubt. We, can, we can't contest that. I mean, I, I don't think that anyone say, no, I'm, nope, Pastor Nathan, I don't want to be blessed. Don't you dare bless me. <laughs> Nobody would. In fact, they want to know, well, how can I be blessed 
all the more. And so one of the most difficult principles to teach young believers is this principle of generosity. And when I say young, I don't mean they're new to the faith. I mean they're new even in their faith. They're still believing basic principles within scriptures, but they're not willing to grow. I didn't want to use the word immature, didn't want to offend anybody, but mature believers understand the concept of generosity and the blessings that flow from that. So you get to know where you're at. You, you, self, you self-analyze and say, here's, here's where I am. Yeah, I've been in the church for 30 years, but I'm still a young believer. I filled and warmed a pew for a long time. I even have my name on it, plaque on the back. Nobody better sit in my seat, but I'm still a young believer. Proverbs 10, says this, the blessings of the Lord make one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Why does God bless? He adds no sorrow with it. I have watched people begin to apply these principles of what God's word says in their lives and let him flow through them. And then all of a sudden, God begins to move people towards blessings and favor towards them with no sorrow, no extra effort, No hard work and extra diligence beyond what they have already done, what they have already committed in faith. And he just, because he saw their heart, he saw their faithfulness, that their heart was in the kingdom, he says, okay, I'm just going to move you towards favor. And that's an illogical understanding of faith. It's an illogical understanding of blessing, but that's why it's called faith. Because when we just apply what God says and trust him with the rest, all of a sudden he begins to move mountains that we didn't know could be moved. We fretted over, we stressed over, we, we diligently prayed all night long lamenting while he was just saying, if you'll just be faithful, if you'll just be faithful. I, I've, I've taught this a similar series, a different breakup of this series uh, before a couple of times actually uh, here at Thrive. And in 2018, I preached a message called, a series called The Generous Life, and I got some calls, and, and one of those calls was a guy sat on the other end of the line, he goes, Pastor Nathan, I'm just, you know, I, I'm hearing what you're saying, and I, and I see it in the Word, but I'm just, I'm just a little nervous because I already start the month with my paycheck, I, I, I'm already in red. Before I even start, Pastor Nathan, I'm in the red. So it's like, I don't have anything that I can actually give. And I said, so-and-so, you never will until you begin to give out of faith. You will always be in the red. And so we begin to talk about it, and I could see, and I could, I could hear the tears. I could hear that, that, that crack in the voice when tears are following, and, and I begin to even get a little bit emotional for him because I know, and I love doing this, is when I pastor people through their cycles, their brokenness, their bondage, and into breakthrough, you can see that moment. It's a moment of, I've got to let go. I don't know this is going to work. I'm so afraid. Please don't let me, oh, Lord, don't, don't let me out here. And, and when they finally commit to that step and that breakthrough, that the, the, the veil is open, the scales fall off of their eyes in this area of their life and there's an aha moment it's like I don't know why I haven't been doing this the whole time and so we leaned in I said okay now we're going to help you and walk this thing out with you and help you with some stewardship principles and for three months we walked this thing out with him for for helping train and develop with stewardship principles kingdom stewardship principles but it's all in the bible all in the Bible. And then in that process, he started realizing, oh, well, hmm, 
Maybe I wasn't exactly in the red from the beginning. Maybe I just need to not go to the, the fast food through the drive-thru all the time. And maybe I don't need to get all those snacks from the, the gas station. And maybe stewardship. Maybe I need to put new parameters on my butt, put some budget to my spending, and maybe I need to plan where my money goes rather than my money just fleeing from me. Stewardship. You, and just maybe three weeks ago, I'm riding down the road with him and he's showing me, hey, Pastor Nathan, I don't show this to anybody, but I just wanted to show you how, how faithful God has been. He's got no pay increase. There's been no raise, but he shows me that he has money in the stock market, and not only money, thousands of dollars, and yet nothing's changed except for stewardship and faithfulness. Only God and obedience of the believer. So what I'm talking about, I can have lines of people come up and give testimony to the rest who are at that moment, that breaking point, I don't know, I don't know if I should, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I can, I don't know if it's gonna work out. You'll always be in the red until you do. Or you'll always be settling for measurable rather than the immeasurable. Because God has a purpose behind the blessings that he wants to give you. And when we talk about stewardship, we're talking about every domain of life. It's in your marriage, it's in your relationship, it's in your finances. It's in your faith. What are you talking about? I can't steward my faith. Oh, yes, you can. Faith is faith. No, it's not. Faith goes up and faith goes down. You can use the faith, the little faith that you have, and God will increase that faith. He will meet you with a measure, and then he will expand that measure as you use the measure of faith that you already have. Oh, faith can be, be, be increased. Responsibilities, stewarding responsibilities. Many people are missing raise promotion opportunities because you're not currently stewarding well the responsibilities that God is entrusting with you. Yes, he is using a human individual to give those responsibilities to you, but because they're being poorly stewarded, promotions are being missed and you didn't even know it. Oh, because we're in a season where people are in need, responsible people are in need, people that are committed, people that are diligent, people that are sacrificial, people that are committed. We're in a season in this world where if you just show up like that, promotion is sure to follow. But when we don't steward our responsibilities well, we end up blaming every other source except for the reality that I'm just not a good steward. Stewardship. But it takes two. It's not just stewardship. It takes two. I wanted to put this, I, I had to erase this, delete, delete, delete. It was the, the best in me. I wanted to put two parts shaken, not stirred. But I knew I would touch somebody religious, you know, I was just like, mm-mm, I'm out. He's talking about margaritas in the church. I just did it. That's not what we're talking about here. Get your mind back in here, the different spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, all right? Two parts, it takes two. But we're talking about, think about pedals. Anybody ever rode a bike with one pedal? It's rather difficult. I mean, it is challenging. You can do it, but you really need a, the decline of a hill. You're sitting there like this, and you're hoping that you can pedal it hard enough down here so it'll just ride, it'll, it'll, momentum will bring it up, and sometimes you won't. So you gotta hit it on the toe of your foot to bring it back down. It's a lot of work. You're working hard. But if you had the two pedals working together, and sometimes you're pedaling, 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 you, don't, you can't even hold on, then you're still riding around in circles. You're just, you're just going around in circles. And 
Unfortunately, that's how a lot of believers are. Your life, if you could see it yourself, is in cycles. If you had somebody on the outside that you trusted, some accountability, some, some brothers or sisters in Christ that could say, was able to say, hey, when, you, when this happens, you do this, and it keeps you in this cycle. If you had those people you would listen to, it might help break some cycles. If you, if you listen to what took place on Sunday mornings, you might break some cycles. What happens is, you get all emotional in, in a moment, and, and, and maybe you, you test God, and you, you tithe that week or that month, and you're like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test him. And then he begins to, to bless you with a little bit, and then what happens right then is the test back from God into your heart. Now he's testing you what you're going to do with the blessings after you, after you tested him to see if he is a blesser. He blesses you, and you're like, oh, great, now I can go buy those shoes that I've been wanting. And I just have just enough change to pay for the tax. And he says, you're not ready. And then we get upset because we get in this cycle. Well, I gave, and he didn't do anything for me. Where'd you get them shoes? Yeah, but he didn't do anything else because you mismanaged, you managed, you poorly steward what he blessed you with, which was the key to receive more blessings. Ooh, I'm unlocking some doors, breaking some strongholds and some chains in this place. We're going to break even more by the end of this, this message. But these two pedals are generosity and stewardship. Generosity and stewardship. If you are generous but not a good steward, God will never open up the windows of heaven because without being a good steward of the blessings, it will ruin the one that God is trying to bless. Seen it. So God won't bless you for long with the abundance and the abundance won't flow because he doesn't want his resources to be wasted. God wants to put what belongs to him into a vessel that can flow through, that he can flow through to get it to the place that he wants to fulfill the needs that he wants to meet. And all the while, the joy is my needs get met as well. If God sees an act of obedience in generosity, his spirit begins to move towards that heart. In that testing moment, he's saying, okay, I'm going to pour out some blessings on this individual. I want to see if their heart is really committed to me or they're really committed to their own selfish desire. So when he sees that heart that tries and gives an effort and says, hey, I, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to return back to God. Whatever the case is in the moment, his spirit begins to lean and favor comes with his spirit. And the test is on. He does, he does this to see what are we going to do with the blessings. Will you steward it well and become a manager of his finances, or do we waste it on our own desires? Now, if you're, if you're a good steward, if you're a good steward but you're not generous, that's called tight. You ever seen anybody walk around like this? Everywhere they go? I mean, like squeaking. Let me put some oil on that thing, Right? <laughs> Right? I mean, just squeak it. Nickname Squeaky. Nobody, you don't know it, but your friends around your, behind your back call him, oh, Squeaky? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You're not generous, but you're a really good steward. Hold it all in. It's a poverty mentality as well. Got a lot of mon money, still, still have a poverty mentality. Squeaky. 
I'm going to call, start calling people squeaky around here, I bet. So God's purposes, though, in the blessings, his purpose in the blessings, uh, in blessing those who are faithful towards him in generosity is to get the blessings, his favor, what belongs to him through the, re- through the vessel to get those resources into the place of need. I want you to think about all the needs. Think about all the needs. The gospel to be delivered the poor to be helped, the the homeless to be fed, to be clothed, the battered and bruised to be taken care of, the missionaries to be sent, the churches to be built so that lives can be changed, all the needs. And then you have a God of everything who owns everything and has all the resources that the needs over there actually need. These resources are intended to meet those needs. And in the middle is this vessel called you. And the only thing that's keeping these needs from getting met is what's going on in this little space right here. And when this little space, the little thing, the little thing called a a heart is not positioned for this over here, for God, it's hard for God to get what he has for this people it's hard for his resources to get to its intended purpose because the matter of our hearts, us, the flesh, selfishness, our own desires, what we want. Think about it. God wants to find people that carry his heart for others so that he can funnel his resources through us and fulfill the needs of those who have a greater need than us. All the while, he's meeting our needs and moving the blessings in our lives to a new measure beyond what we were willing to settle for previously so that when he does, we overflow with those resources, stewarding them his way and being generous his way. Think about, it. Think about this. He is looking for a people who will be a river of blessings instead of a reservoir. Because a reservoir dams up. A reservoir is dammed. I mean, D-A-M, right? There's a, lake, there's a dam at Lake Athens. It's holding in. They had to put a drain so that water would drain out of it. He's looking for a river of a people that will be a river of blessings, of favor, so that he can resource the need all the while. Think about this. As a river, is, as it rains or coming, the snows melting off of the mountains, the river are being, are being filled, but they are reaching out as the water level is increasing. As the water is moving forward, it is reaching out little by little, going away, going through and going to a new place as also the, res- the, the vessel of the river, the banks, the water is increasing in the banks. So not only am I being blessed, not only are my needs being met, but now I'm able to meet the needs of others. And when I'm no longer just concerned about my needs being met, Now I can be prepared, I am equipped, I am ready, I am positioned. My heart is in the right place to receive more so that I can be a blessing to others' needs who are waiting to be met. Now I'm kingdom. Now now on earth as it is in heaven. And I get to be 
the vessel for the kingdom of God flowing to earth. Oh, that's good. That's really good. I'll tell you a story about my grandfather. Call him Papa James. He's my step-grandfather. I named my son after him. Nathan James is my son's name. And so when you, like, when you, when you have a grandfather or a, grandper- a parent or a friend, whatever, that is 80-something years old, you hear stories from their childhood, and they don't care if they've told you that story 15 times. You're going to hear that story again. When they're ready, and it pops up on their little mental, mental paradigm, their mental uh, clock or whatever it is, they just tell this story. And so you listen, like it's the first time you've ever heard it. Oh, really? And so he's there, sitting there telling me a story, and uh, they were in church, and the, they were passing the plate for giving or for tithing. You know, you know that the plate is not for snacks. It's not a take. It's you know, to give. You know, you remember that? Some, some places probably still do that. We don't. We just believe that people are going to be mature believers and just give out obedience. But this church, in this season of, of the church, uh, they, they would pass the plate. And this one man, every time, this, one day it would come before him, and he, he's like, he hated to give. He hated that plate coming in front of him. But he kept pulling out money out of his pocket. And all it wasn't, he, I just kept putting it back in. I kept putting it back in. Every time he was pulling out a $50 bill, and then finally he said, oh, hell, and just... Right there in the middle of church on the tithe plate. That's not generous living. That's begrudgingly giving. But I've seen several people, let me get you to you, I've seen several people fall away since 2018 that come through this church where they grab a hold of this principle. Two things happen. One is God begins to bless them. They're a reservoir. They misuse the blessings for themselves. They buy things that they truly can't afford with the blessings because they started to test God in the tithe. And he says, test me now in this. See if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour out more than your barns can be filled. Overflow for your barns. They said, okay, I'll test that principle. They return what belongs to him in the tithe. He begins to bless them. They go and say, thank you for this. Now I can buy that new truck I've been wanting or that new house I've been wanting. Get themselves into a payment they can't afford because they were never meant to afford it. There was a part that was to meet their needs, but there was a part to flow through them into the needs and the lives of others. End up in debt, end up upset, end up blaming God because they mismanaged, poorly stewarded what he was blessing, intended to bless them with, to meet their needs where they are, and to bless others. That's one group. The other group is this. God began to bless them. He began to pour out his blessing on them, and they got so blessed that they began to leave the church following the blessing, forgetting the blesser. Oh, and I haven't just seen that one time. I'm just too busy to come back. And all of a sudden, you've always been too busy to ever go back to any church. Following the blesser, the blessing rather than the blesser. But here's why it takes two. Genesis 12, two, where do we get this? I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. We are blessed, not for our own sakes, but to be a blessing. We are blessed so that it funnels through us to be a blessing to others. Let me tell you about how I learned stewardship young. 
I, I was, I was, I felt like I was good with money growing up. I had a, a lot of quarters. Like at any time, my friends came over whenever I was a kid to my my dad and my apartment that we lived in. My parents were separated, and and I had a bunch of quarters. I was doing really good. Uh, I could buy pizza, Domino's pizza, anytime. Domino's was new in Kilgore whenever at that time. Well. I also realized sometimes my dad would go out of town, he would leave me some money for lunch, and I would go to school, and uh, I noticed my, I would save the seat where we sat at, in the cafeteria for lunch, and I'd notice my friends, they'd come back with their tray. Anybody remember that rectangular pizza? That was good. That was a good day of, of, of lunch, right? Man, love that. And so they would come back with their tray, a little chocolate milk, and maybe a little, little thing of ice cream that you had to pop the top with, whatever. And I noticed they had some change, put their change on their, their, it was on their tray, 35 cents, 50 cents. I'm like, lunch is only 350. So if I borrow 50 cents from this one and 50 cents from this one and 50, most of the days my friend's change was paying for my lunch. I keep my own lunch money and I'm paying, I'm paying for lunch. I think I'm being a good steward. That's pretty sharp, right? And then I get into, you know, later in middle school, and we're able to, now we're, we're mowing the lawn, and we're pulling weeds, and me and my two stepbrothers at this time are rotating on responsibility to do these chores. And I'm like, man, I can make $25 a week if I do it each week. I can make $25 a week. I'm already getting $25 a month for an allowance, and then I get $25 a week for lunch, and I can buy a candy bar and a soda for $1, so man, I can really make some money each month. So I'm, I'm, I'm hustling, I'm looking forward to my stepbrothers not wanting to do the lawn and pull the weeds. I'm like, I'll do it, I'll, I'll take care of it, It'll knock, I'll knock it out on a Saturday morning, not a problem. I start, I do that, I, that's how I serve my, I have my lunch, I get my candy bar and my, for 50 cents, a Coke for 50 cents, that was a long time ago. You could do that. And then I would say, I can make it through so that I can get home for lunch or get to the store for lunch, get, get home for lunch. And then I would, I would uh, before I would eat my late lunch before going to baseball or football practice. And that way I'm good. I'm taking care of it. And my parents take care of it all. I'm stewarding well what God has given me, right? I had no, I had no concept of God in doing those things. And I, I, I started when I was 15, after baseball practice, I'd go to work, a place called Peddler's Pizza. It's a lot like Rounder's Pizza. It's in Kilgore, though. I don't even know if it exists. But then during the summer, I would come over here and work at Whataburger when it was beside McDonald's. I'd work 40, 50, 60 hours. I realized you could work overnight and make a quarter more an hour. I'd do that. And so I was, I was banking. I had some money. I had thousands of dollars before I graduated high school. And then I, my parents bought my first car. But I bought my second, third, and fourth car with cash. Great steward, but I didn't carry God's heart and what he meant by stewardship and generosity. I did, I did get, Proverbs 10 says, he who has a slack hand becomes poor. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. There's some things that God is asking us to do, and if we'll just get, get to it, if we'll just start to get a little bit more diligent in the responsibilities that he's asking us to steward, God will begin to pour out blessings. And that's a test, too, of what we do with those blessings. But I didn't understand God's heart when it comes to stewardship and generosity blending. So number two is this, why, why talk about money? It's more of a question than it is a point, but I'm going to break down the point within the, quest, the question within the understanding right here. You ready? There are people who get upset when you talk about money in the church. 
And if your heart is tight right now and you're feeling a little sweaty and you're uncomfortable with what I'm saying, you're that person. Just so you're confused, who is it? <laughs> oh, it's me. It's me. Uh, but the question is, have you ever read the Bible? Have you, have you ever read the Bible? I mean, throughout the Word of God, it is talking about giving, generosity. Uh, they, you know, when people think, when you talk about money in the church, you're, you're a religious Pharisee, and you're going to hold us to the law, and, or you're, you're a money changer. Didn't Jesus come and clean you out before he went to the cross? So we, Completely different context and completely misuse of the context of Scripture in using those. That's what Satan does, twists the truth so that people will be in bondage. Have you ever read the Bible? Every time people came in to worship, they brought an offering. In fact, God commanded offerings. God created the tithe. A priest or a, nor a preacher created the tithe wasn't some pastor that says, I don't know how we're going to pay for this building. We're going to have to get some resources. Let's just create this thing where we can get 10% of everybody. No. That was God that created that. And there was a reason that God created that. I'm going to break that down for you. But God put the tithe in the scriptures. And he said, heaven and earth will pass away. But the scriptures, oh, they'll never pass away. So was Jesus trying to get their money? He talked about, Jesus talked about stewardship, possessions. He talked about generosity, money. He talked about it so much that you would have probably gotten offended and walked out. Remember in John 6 where all the people started, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not following that guy. He talked about money so much. 16 of the 38 parables were based on possessions and finances. 16 of the 38. So was Jesus trying to get their money? Let me ask you more, more, more abruptly, am I trying to get your money? No, I don't need your money. And you're like, wait a minute, Pastor Nathan, you did that Vision Sunday last month and all this big vision and things that, that we're going to do as a church and how we're going to send out to plant other churches and got a second building coming and all that. that you got these bills to pay. I know this electricity has got to be expensive. We just got this new building. You're thinking, oh, you need my money. But, God, but you don't pay for all of this. God pays for all of this. God pays for the vision that he desires for a church to fulfill. And if a church won't fulfill it, God will move on to another church who will fulfill it. And if one person won't do what God is asking them to do with the blessings in which he has given them, he will move on to another person who will do with and steward well and be generous with what he is blessing them with. So we get to choose if we will be blessed beyond measure. We get the choice. And you're thinking, well, well how, no, God doesn't, you, God doesn't pay for that. That's my money. And I'd be very careful with whose name you put on as ownership the money that's in your bank account. Because God can show you really quick who it really belongs to. You might think, yeah, he uses my money, but that's his money. The word says, the earth is the Lord's, Psalms 24, and the fullness thereof, it all belongs to God. The cattle on a thousand hills, his. So God is the owner of it all, and he directs it through those who will be good stewards and will be generous 
two parts, two pedals, because he is trying to get it from over here, through here, through this space and this space into the needs and where it goes. All the while, our needs get met as well. So it's a blessing, because in the same way that I taught about marriage, I taught about prayer, I teach about discipleship, it is a blessing for you that I teach you on the proper principles, the kingdom principles, biblical principles of finances. It is to your benefit. You grow. You develop. You get out of the red. You get to actually have a stock market account. You get to be a blessing. So was Jesus trying to get their money? No. What was he doing? He was after their hearts. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Because God's, God's after your heart too. Where you put your treasure, your heart will then follow. One of the main reasons believers struggle is because their heart is truly not in the kingdom of God. They have the right words, they know the right speech, they've got the Christianese down, but when it comes to the matter of are they willing to give of their treasure and put it towards but returning back to God what is his and being generous when he speaks to be generous, that mm-mm, not gonna do it. That mm, I, don't, mm, I'm not, I don't have enough. That voice in there begins to show where their heart truly is. When I'm upset because my possessions are not enough or they're dysfunctioned or they're messed up or some, there's some kind of issue, if I'm more upset about that, if I'm putting the blessings that I have been given into possessions without being generous, then my heart is really right here in these possessions. And if something happens to those possessions, mm-mm, it's gonna, it's gonna hit my hot button. I'm gonna lose my mind. And I'm willing to destroy a relationship over these possessions. Well, I know my heart's not in the kingdom. I know where my, my, my treasure is right here. But God's trying to get our hearts, our, our hearts into the kingdom. And it requires us putting our treasures there so that our hearts will follow. And when God's, God's, people don't have a heart for his kingdom, for his, his, his desires, what he wants to meet his need, the needs with his resources with, we begin to see this heart manifest in financial ruin, in marriage struggles, in character issues, in immorality, and marriages struggle when people aren't giving back to God what is his because their heart are, is not set upon him. And when two people are not set upon, their hearts are not for, for Christ, they're not for his kingdom, they're not for God in returning and bringing the treasure which their heart follows, then selfishness exists. And two selfish people will never fulfill a healthy marriage. Some people think, well, I don't, when, I, when I know more about God and I, when I can trust him, I will begin to give. 
you will never begin to trust God until you begin to give. It's so backwards. Yes, that's faith. That's where faith comes in. Once you put your treasure towards God, your heart will be with him. It, it will follow. And I used to preach at the, the end of a, a message when we were just starting out the first year. You know, you got people just coming through. You got five consistent people. <laughs> the other 20, 30 that are there, you're like, oh, I just don't want to say anything to mess up and they'll leave. They won't come back. And so I would say, now, if you're new here, you know, your first time guest, you know, we don't intend for you to, to give or to tithe back to the Lord. That's just really for the, for the people who've been coming regularly. Those five, I wouldn't say those five. I didn't want to point them out, make them feel awkward. But I, I got caught on that. I got checked on that. My oversight pastor said, wait a minute, Pastor Nathan, whenever you do that, here's what you're saying. You're saying for the people who are coming in who have needs, not only have they been coming consistently, but they're new to your church. They're new to what God is doing right there. You're saying that you have truckloads of, of needs. It needs to be met. You have truckloads of clothes from Neiman Marcus. You have Nikes, truckloads of Nikes and food. You have truckloads of health care outside the, outside the church. But only the regulars can have that. The guests, they have no access to those blessings. He says, if you believe that God blesses you when you return back to him what belongs to him with the right heart, and he blesses generosity, you would say, this is for everybody. And you would give an option to anybody and everybody who came into that building. Light came on because I believe it. I live it. I've seen it watched it over and over. I'm living it currently, God pouring out and opening up the windows of heaven. To not provide an opportunity for everyone is to, is to not give everyone an opportunity to be blessed. So it changed my thinking on that. Number three is this, being a blessing. We're blessed beyond measure so that we can be a blessing. God loves each one of us, of course, and the primary reason that God blesses us is simply because he loves us. And there's nothing wrong with asking God to give you the resources that are needed so that you can send your kids to a good school. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with asking God to bless you so that you can put braces on your, on your, your child's teeth if they need that. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with asking God to bless you so that you can give the pro proper health care to your family. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with asking God to bless you so that you can buy a home or, or be, rent a home in an area that is more safe than where you currently live or a car that is more suitable for travel for their safety and your safety or your child's safety as they travel to and from work or to and from home or whatever the case may be, there's nothing wrong with that. Somewhere in there, though, Satan begins to manipulate that and says, oh, that's materialism. What happened, what happened about giving it all up for Jesus? What happened to godliness with contentment? And he begins to take some truths and twist it and add words and take some others out and manipulate it. Now, if my joy and I, is taken and I can't be content until I have those things, yeah, that's out of line. That's having the wrong idea of being blessed. I won't be happy and content and full of joy until I'm blessed. That's the wrong heart. That's not what we're talking about. However, there is nothing wrong with asking God to bless us so that we can be a blessing. Look at this in Jabez 
First Chronicle 4, 9, and 10. It says, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Now, Jabez means pain, hurt, or sorrow. This dude's name, he was called all his life pain. Anybody ever been called a pain in the rear? That's Jabez. You Jabez. Pain, hurt, sorrow. What does that do to an individual right there? But God says he was more honorable than any of his brothers. And verse 10 says, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Look at that. He's saying, Oh, that you would bless me with more resources that you would give me more influence, if you would increase the land. Oh, Lord, that you would bless me with abundance. Oh, Lord, that you would bless me beyond measure. Now, this is a man that is more honorable than any of his brothers. He says that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain, that I may not cause pain. He's saying so I can be a blessing to the people around me. I don't want to be a pain in the rear. I want to be a blessing. Man, there's so many things coming through my mind right now. Lord, sanctify my mind. Oh, that you would resource me. I want to be a blessing and not a burden. And so many people oftentimes go through life feeling like they are a Jabez, a pain, a burden to others. Yet they're not fulfilling what God is asking them to do and they're constantly in need rather than positioning themselves to meet the needs and have their needs fulfilled. Oh, that's really good. That's the most kind way I could say that. It was coming through my head right there. And you go away depressed and sad and sorrowful. And because I'm just so tired of being a burden and being in need and all these. Apply God's principles. It's the book of life. He blesses his word. He can't not bless his word. Let me put it that way. You just start to put it to action with the right heart, not with I better get, but I'm here to give then God will begin to pour out the blessings to meet the needs, and you will no longer be a pain, but you will be a blessing to the world around you. Jabez no longer wants to be that pain. Nobody wants to be a pain. Jabez is not asking for himself. He is asking for a blessing so that he could be a blessing to the world around him. And so what does it say that God did? So God granted him what he requested. Oh, you want to do it for others, not just for yourself? Okay, blessings, enlarged territory, increased influence, protection from evil, presence going with you. Who doesn't want that? I don't see any hands. That's great. Everyone wants that. That means the path to that is through the application of exactly what we're talking about today. So was that prayer materialistic? Was it religious? Was it pharisaical? Was there money changing involved? 
Because if it was, then why did God bless it? Why did God give what Jabez was asking for? Was it selfish? No. That's exactly why God blessed him with the resources he asked for. So an honorable man prayed to be blessed, not so that he could have more money, but so he could be a vessel of blessings into the lives of others. That is the principle you will find throughout the Old Testament to New Testament. So is it wrong to ask God to bless you so that you can be a blessing? No, it's not wrong to desire to be positioned in life so that when God prompts your heart and he says, hey, I want you to do this, you're able to financially be resourced to do that, to meet that need. And your heart is conditioned because you've already act out of an act of obedience, listen to through his written word, you begin to attune your spiritual ears and your eyes and your heart because it's in the kingdom. And when the kingdom moves, you're able to walk with God and move with God so that he can provide blessings to the needs of others, all the while having fulfilled your needs so that he can bring more fulfillment, more blessings and more abundance and more influence and more of his presence into your life so that you can further be a blessing to others. We are the initiators of this faith, this act. He's given you an, a measure of faith if you are in Christ because it's only by faith that you've received the grace of that salvation. So you have faith. Now it's taking that faith and applying it to what his word says. I'll give you a little example to this I was teaching Naomi this week. Last week was Easter Resurrection Sunday. She was uh, finding eggs uh, at the McCurley's house and she found uh, several eggs, but three of them had money in them. One had a $5 bill, another one had a $5 bill, and another one had a $1 bill. And she's like, oh, daddy, we're in the closet in my closet on the floor looking at it all. And she's like, I, I got this money. I said, let me show you what took place. I said, I rolled it out. I said, this is a $5, this is one bill but it's a $5 bill. Okay, it's another one. This is a one bill, but it's a $5 bill. Okay, that means you have $10, Naomi, $10. And there's a $1 bill. I was trying to make it simple, trying to keep it. You mathematicians don't say, well, 10% is $1.10. Where's the 10 cents? That's, come on. So I took that dollar. I said, this right here though, Naomi, that's what you should give back to the Lord. He gives you the 10 and all he asks back for back is that one. And when you give that one, he blesses the other nine so that it will actually go further than it would have if you didn't give. Like that's a lot for her. She's like, well, can I just give it all to him? I said, no, no, that's not what he's asking. He's just asking for the one. It's okay, Daddy. We'll, we'll give him the one Sunday at church. I said, that's great. Give it to Pastor P. Say, Pastor P, will you help me give this to God? Great. I'm like celebrating. Yes. We're at some friend's house, Pete and Adelina Garcia, the one who did the announcements. Their daughter's birthday was celebrated last night. And we're there, and me and Pete are in his kitchen talking, just us. And Naomi comes in full of sugar and candy and cake and all this stuff all over her face. And she's just full of energy and passion, you know, like her mother. And so, <laughs> so I said, Naomi, tomorrow's church. 
you get to give that dollar. Remember what you're gonna do? She says, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, she goes, she's going back out the door. She creaks back in the door. She goes, I'm not gonna give God anything. <laughs> oh man, we laughed. She shut the door. And I'm thinking today, sometimes that's how believers are. I'm not gonna give God back anything. I don't know why I'm stuck in this cycle. I don't know why I'm a burden to others. I don't know why my marriage is in shambles. I don't know why I never can get ahead financially. I don't know why I keep having this immoral struggle. I don't know why I keep having these character flaws. Make sure you're ready to bless others and return back to God what belongs to Him when you start praying prayers like Jabez prayed. Because when He starts bringing the abundance and the blessings, testing you and meeting you at that act of faith that you do, the next test is, is your heart really in the kingdom? Does it really belong to God? How are you gonna steward with generosity what he gives in response to your act of faith? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for the healing nature of this message. Thank you so much for the freedom that comes from revelation in a series like this. Thank you so much, Lord, that your word says that as we apply faith in this area and we begin to return back to you, you will rebuke the devourer that is on our lives. Mm. So Father, I just pray for an increase of faith across this board to break the spiritual bondage of poverty over both the wealthy and the poor in this place. That's in spirit, that's in heart, that's in finance, that's in relationships, every area of life. In the power of Jesus Christ, we break the spirit that is over every person in this place today. Father, we ask for a release of grace and abundance that you move hands to test you now in this, to return back to you what belongs to you and begin to know what it means to live the generous life and learn how to steward what belongs to you well so that we can all be positioned for the abundance that you have to flow over your people. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you speak today, speak this week and change hearts and minds and lives so that we truly will be a people that carry the heart of the kingdom of God in Henderson County. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.